Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Yeah, Lord God, we thank you that there is no other name over all this earth, over this universe that speaks such power, that speaks such authority into our lives. Lord, as we think about uh, what your word says about this person, Jesus, today, may you lift our eyes. Maybe our eyes are are down. We're uh, surrounded by shame or there's something that's just uh, heavy on us today. Lord, may you just lift our eyes. Lift our eyes to see King Jesus. Lift our eyes. Just as we've sung to one another, we've encouraged one another, lift our eyes to see beyond what is in the natural and to see what you have supernaturally done in the person and work of Jesus. May we see you truly for who you are and therefore who we are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here today. And uh, if I haven't met you already, my name's Craig Palmer and the privilege of being Young Adults and Discipleship Pastor here. And I want to continue to thank you for the welcome that you've brought to me and my family as we've been here over these last four months. And uh, welcome to those that are online watching today as well. I wanted to share with you a bit of a story. This goes back a couple of years ago now. Uh, We've been five years into ministering at Geraldton Baptist And before going into that role at Geraldton Baptist, we've been involved at Riverton Baptist. And uh, myself and Janelle, particularly Janelle, had seen a steady number of people coming to faith uh, over those years. And we had hopes as we went to Geraldton, we'd see the same thing happen. But five years in, we're kind of feeling like, this, this soil that we're kind of digging into is a little bit dry. You know, for people to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Yeah, most of our pastoring work was kind of activating and equipping those, you know, the Christians there and moving people from believers to disciples to disciple makers. And we'd been tilling that soil, you know, we'd take people on prayer walks, we'd have weekly missional prayer, intentional discipleship years. But we wrote, I remember looking back at this and I looked back at this last week, I wrote in my diary on September 2021, there's these feelings of being trapped. The harvest does not seem to be here presently. But to start somewhere else again appears ominous also. You know, Dan started this sermon series a few weeks ago, looking at Luke chapter 10. And he asked this question, do we believe that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, for the, but the workers are few. Well, for us at that moment, it was looking pretty sparse, on, probably on both levels in some ways. Well, the next phrase of Jesus said was, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. 
So in Geraldton, while we were there, Janelle and I had uh, the Fridays off together. We'd often take our food just for lunch and head down to the foreshore, looking across the water. It was beautiful, dolphins, fish, surfers. It was you know, ideal. And we would use that time just to kind of process what was going on in our lives and to be praying together. And out of that kind of place of kind of renewed frustration or even desperation, we prayed asking the Lord of the harvest. But maybe in a slightly different way, we kind of had this, this plea in our heart. It's like, can we just have one person who shows a natural curiosity for the things of Jesus? Just someone that's freshly looking for what Jesus has to offer. Like, we want to be willing workers for the harvest. It doesn't seem to be much here. Perhaps you feel like that at times. A quick little tip. This is just something I've started to do again. I've done this in the past, but I was reminded at a recent discipleship conference about setting my watch or my phone to 10.02. Luke 10, verse 2. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. Set a little alarm that you might like to do that today. Imagine once we're having our chats after the service and all our alarms are going off and we just start praying for workers for the harvest together. How awesome would that be? A weekly occurrence. Let's give it a go. <laughs> so we can ask, but then the next words that come from Jesus to his, the 72 that he sent out in that Luke chapter 10 is, go. So that's what we did. We started to look like we're praying this prayer. We want to look to see if God brings someone to us. And he says, go demonstrate and declare the kingdom of God. You know, God wants to involve us. It's not just a prayer exercise. Ask and go work in tandem. Well, God, he was so gracious to us in that coming week. Uh, we went on a bit of a faith-building journey and uh, just a day after we uttered that prayer, Janelle had this really great conversation and went from sort of a casual chat through to a meaningful chat to a spiritual conversation. We also took a bunch of our crew that were doing our discipleship year and we were prayer walking in the CBD. And we would just ask the question to people we're like, we're going around praying for the good of this city and I wonder if there's anything I could be praying for you. And we'd had many people were responsive to our offer. You know, they welcomed prayer when you even saw some people healed um, of some ear conditions and just things that were going on for them. Our kind of, we were building a bit of confidence. You know, the, the muscles of faith were getting exercised. And uh, the next day, less than a week since our prayer, things stepped up a little bit of a notch. I had one of those moments. It's, you know the story of the Good Samaritan? When you see the religious leaders, uh, they have this choice to either help this man or walk by. Well, I was on my way to a Geraldton Ministers Fellowship prayer meeting. Off I go. I'm just driving down the road, and I see a guy standing, on a standing by his mobility scooter. He didn't look great at all kind of an ashen face, a bit yellow. It's like, does this bloke have kidney troubles or something? But I just asked him, you know, do you need help? 
at that moment, you know, do I go to the prayer meeting? Do I go with this guy? I don't know if you've like driven to work sometimes and you're like, that person really needs help, I'll see you. You know, it's gone, the moment's gone. But this time I did stop, there's plenty of times I haven't. I helped him move the scooter off the road and into someone's carport. I had no idea whether he knew the person that we were putting this carport into, but hey, we were doing it. And uh, I offered him a lift home. He didn't live far away. And we began to talk on the way. And Jim, it's not his real name, but he asked about my job, what I did. I said, well, I'm just up at the road there, just work at the church. And he began to talk about, oh, my mother-in-law goes to church and she was from the East Coast and uh, she prays for me over the phone in this kind of funny language thing. I don't know what it really is, you know, speaking tongues. Uh, But (laughs) he admitted to uh, drug and alcohol issues and his mother-in-law's advice to him about when he was really struggling was just call on the name of Jesus. He's like, yeah, when I call on the name of Jesus, I do feel better actually. Uh, (laughs) We pause in this conversation. He turns to me in the car and he says, (laughs) this was meant to be. We need to meet to talk about this Jesus person more. I'm like, oh, far out. I just asked for that last week. (laughs) (laughs) This is happening right in front of me. He's actually asking to meet to talk about Jesus. Anytime it suits you, he says. I was like, isn't it amazing? We pray this prayer, it unfolds in front of our eyes, and we're like, is this real? Is this really happening? Internally, I'm kind of jumping for joy, but outside looking calm and collected. And uh, now, Jim, he was expecting to be in court soon and could be ending up in jail, perhaps 12 months worth, but we weren't sure where it was going to play out. And um, yeah, I dropped him off. Didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. You know, this sceptic in me is like, was he just having that conversation to kind of trick me into, you know, doing what needed to happen to get him home? Or was this an actual person of peace encounter? You know, I preferred to look at it as a person of peace encounter. My faith had been rising even over this past week before that. Yeah, I'd had the opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom, an opportunity, a simple practical task of just helping someone move mobility scooter off the road. But there was a choice to be made at that point. And I had the opportunity, just by Jim asking me questions, to say something about who Jesus was in my life. You know, in that Luke 10 passage, There's principles from verse 3 to 12 which talk about people of peace. They are ones that welcome you. They listen to you and they serve or support you. And with Jim, he was welcoming me. He was listening to me. Serve or support, well, that's yet to be found out. The experience of the 72 disciples was beginning to happen around me and I'd probably never meet a guy like Jim in my ordinary life. But God had presented him before me, beyond my capabilities. Now Jesus said, the harvest field is the Lord's, that who's who we ask, 
And he sends people from the harvest back into the harvest. And verse 16 of the same chapter says, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Now Jesus' disciples' engagement in the harvest and whether people are ready to listen or not is actually about whether they're spiritually ready to listen to Jesus. You know, as we go to them, we think we're the ones talking and how they're receiving it, but they're ready to receive Jesus or to reject him at that time. Now, that might be a temporary rejection or one that lasts forever, but we cannot predecide that. We are just asked to go, demonstrating and declaring. You Maybe you're thinking that you'd like to get some more tools in your own hands about how you can begin to step more into this people of peace concept taught by Jesus. We're going to be leading a little interactive workshop in a few weeks' time, Sunday, June 11th, 2.30 to 4pm here at the Burragoon campus. And we could start answering some more questions about what does it mean to reach out to people of peace that you're already living amongst. You know, the why, the who, the what, the when. So you might like to pencil that in your diary. But I want to continue today with an often quoted passage where Jesus speaks about the kind of spiritual partnership that exists between him and us as you reach out to the world with the good news of the kingdom of God. You know, the setting is disciples uh, have been sent to Galilee after Jesus has risen from the dead, and it's the promise of seeing Jesus after his resurrection. You know, the journey to that spot that day in Galilee, you know, what were they thinking? You know, like, what's he going to say? Will he actually be there? But we read these words. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth had been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and, you surely, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, they arrive. There's 11, not 12 disciples. One has fallen away under the pressure uh, but when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, there's some are amazed, some are a bit hesitant. But Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore. This therefore is a pivot term, isn't it? You know, what's the therefore, therefore? What comes before leads and supports the logic of what follows. So before about we talk about what follows, let's look how we come to this point where Jesus can pronounce like all authority in heaven and on earth is his. So I'm just going to show you with a picture on the screen just to very briefly explain kind of how scripture talks about the authority of Jesus because it's not static. So just to explain what this picture looks like, uh, the top arrow is kind of like the triune God's authority. That's where the arrow is. And kind of the dashed line is human's level of authority. So in the beginning, we read as God uh, moves into the, in the universe that he's creating, we read these words, Paul explains it this way, Colossians 1. 
The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things on heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus existing before he comes to the earth. But at birth, Jesus coming in the flesh. Philippians 2 talks about that. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So he's come down to kind of the level of humanity, being made in human likeness. But the life Jesus lived from that point on, the early years, it talks about him growing in wisdom and stature in favour with God and man. He's led uh, by and full of the Holy Spirit, aligned to the heart of the Father. People, when they hear him speak, he speaks with authority. The crowds are amazed at his teaching because he, he spoke of authority, not as the teachers of the law. He walked in power, healed the sick. He was, had insight to diagnose sin and brokenness that people were trapped in, to drive out demons who obeyed his instructions. Now, the religious elite of the time, they challenged his authority. And they say, by what authority do you do these things? But it came to a climax when he lays his life down. The long predicted by uh, Daniel and David speak about that, about the culminating of his authority, a special suffering servant and son of man. It's not a military victory that he won or a political takeover, but a humble act of laying down his life, his life for his sheep. He speaks about having authority to lay down his life and take it up again at any time. Once again, back to Philippians 2, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the peak and the climax of his authority is demonstrated when he is raised to life. Power over death. It's not going to defeat him. Everything is now different. Jesus has accomplished what he was sent to do. He's put his life on the line for humanity. You know, Paul writes triumphantly about the journey of Jesus and life in that Philippians 2 passage where he says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. We sung about that already today. Gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Forty days after he was resurrected, Jesus rose. He rose to be in the heavenly reality. It's not some fluffy white cloud, uh, but it's a spiritual reality that he is raised to. The New Testament writers speak about this period where Jesus is in his now rightful place at the right hand of the Father, that position of authority. Even Stephen, when he's been stoned after preaching about Jesus, he looks and says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
This is the backstory of the authority that we see Jesus putting into his last remarks before he goes into heaven as he speaks to his disciples. He's commissioning them. He's commissioning them to a task, but he's also saying this is a co-mission. It is something to be done in tandem, a partnership, a collaboration. It's a very unequally weighted partnership. God doing the lion's share of the work and humanity coming alongside. But all authority is given to Jesus. Therefore, go make disciples, baptizing name in the Father, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Jesus now has this total authority. Therefore, his disciples are to go and make more disciples. You know, disciple just means simply learner. Specifically, learners and followers of the ways, words, and works of Jesus. For them to get involved in making more disciples. You know, it's totally complementary to the greatest commandments of love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The disciples that he's speaking to have now directions for their life in the most simple of instructions. Make disciples, that's the verb, that's the imperative of all nations. There's no race exclusion here. Universal authority has brought universal mission. You know, in Mount Pleasant, I think we have 30 plus nationalities here. You know, our reach is huge. And not just through family lines, but that's alongside the extra initiatives, like the blacks we're gonna meet next week, to the, the ethnic tie and beyond. So how do we take this action of making disciples? Let's just break it down a little bit more. All authority is given to Jesus. Therefore, make disciples as you go in your everyday life, as we are going. There's not an off switch. There are different levels of intensity about how that works but it is meant to be part of our identity, living under the authority of Jesus. Like my story of meeting Jim, it was just as I was going, Jesus brought him in front of me. Authority is given to Jesus, therefore make disciples, baptizing them into the family name, Father, Son, Spirit. You know, baptism of the Spirit is the spiritual transformation. Baptizing with water is the outward sign of an inner surrender. Baptism means to immerse, to be immersed into the family of God. To begin to take on the life and the empowerment and the blessings of being connected with the most powerful and authority being in the universe. You know, the way that a child takes on the mannerisms of their parents their ways of talking, maybe even their ideologies. And when we are baptised into the name of the Father, Son, Spirit, that's what begins to happen inside us. Maybe that's the step of obedience you haven't yet taken to be baptised. And furthermore, I want to challenge us today with Jesus' own words. You know, if you want to be an active disciple-maker, 
under the instruction of Jesus, then it's impossible to lead people to where you have not yet gone yourself. If we take the heart of the call of Jesus to baptise people into God's family, then we need to take seriously our own step to be baptised. If you've not done that yet, and maybe today is your day to say, yes, Jesus, I, I will do that. I will be baptised, follower, ready to baptise, as you have asked. So I'd love you to indicate that to myself or maybe a friend or family member you came with today out at the Connect Point. We'd love to talk to you more about how that can happen. We've got a date for baptisms planned for early July here as well. The third part of this call of making disciples, all authority is given to Jesus, therefore make disciples by teaching them to obey. Obey what? What Jesus has commanded them. What Jesus laid out, we see in the Gospels, captured there, all the things that he taught the disciples. And he doesn't want them just to teach them the commands, like the information. He wants them to teach them how to obey the commands, to walk in them. And as I speak to you today, I can't properly disciple you from this stage. No one can. Even Jesus could not. You'll see in the Gospels that preaching was not the only way that Jesus brought the 11 disciples into the ways of the kingdom. To pass on how to obey the commands, he went beyond teaching the content. And they got to see him living it out, talking about every facet of how this worked. This is what Jesus is calling his disciples to do with their people of peace, to teach them how to live the life of the family. Those that have been newly that those have been newly baptized into. These commands of Jesus need to be exemplified in a life that you can actually see in real time. And Michael spoke about that a couple of weeks ago about him being imitatable. You know, it's one of the key ingredients often missing in our discipleship in the Western Church that we rely on the information but not the imitation. Now, I have an amazing opportunity as the young adults and uh, discipleship pastor here. You know, it's one of the, the privileges I get to help us grapple with and add value to our experience as God's people here at Mounties and beyond. You know, it can all also seem quite a bit slower and more challenging to actually walk with people, not just uh, pass on information to them. But I can assure you that we have a great example in the person who has all authority in, in heaven and on earth. He's done this before and it kind of worked. It is so much more powerful, sustainable and effective to follow the lead of the one who says to work with one life, to sow the word in one life can multiply 30, 60, 100 times. I want to return to the story of Jim. Talked about going 
sorry, we talked about going and I'd been introduced to Jim. I did have the opportunity to speak to him again, to meet with him at his home. His court proceedings got turned over, so you know, we were able to chat just in his home and not somewhere else. And maybe he was a person of peace after all, it appeared. The first time I got to sit with him, I got to share with him and his longtime partner about the good news of Jesus. And he shared much about his life, kind of the trauma he experienced, the conviction of sin that he was feeling, the entanglement with evil spirits. It was pretty full on. I showed him how to access the Bible for himself, and he took up the suggestion to watch the Chosen videos, if you're familiar with those, and that just totally blew him away. <laughs> he couldn't believe the compassion that Jesus had for people, especially those that were kind of broken and trapped in their own past, and it meant so much to him. As I showed him more of uh, God's word, I could see that the Spirit was kind of teaching him far quicker than I could even pass on the word to him. It's like I'd say something, he's like, yep, got it, yep. And he just kept on moving. <laughs> like, it was really convicting him very quickly. It was like that double-edged sword, you know, cutting to the heart. And he wanted to come to church. Uh, I didn't actually want to invite him because I was like, I don't want him to get all religious and stuff straight up. <laughs> It was like, that's pretty bad for a pastor not to want to invite um, someone to church. But anyway, but he wanted to go. So the first time he did, just seeing the songs like we've got to enjoy today, the words just came crashing on him. They were impacting him in a huge way, those Christ-centered songs, and God was just pouring his grace upon him. You know, it was so good for our church. You know, he's telling people over morning tea how we bumped into one another and how God had orchestrated the timing and all this kind of thing. So got other people sharing about their faith journeys as well. And after the service that day, Janelle and I got to sit with him and Janelle said, you know, would you like to say yes to Jesus, you know, as your master and your saviour? And we prayed alongside him. And he did that that day. It was awesome. Now, as I got to meet with him, he spoke of the changes that were happening inside him. You know, his addiction was lessening, colour was returning to his face. He was even putting on weight because the drugs are off. He was waking up early and it's like, what have you done to me, Craig? I normally sleep in for ages. Conviction was coming to him and he was just wrestling with the condemnation of the enemy as well. The enemy was not going to let him go easily. He found himself forgiving and asking for forgiveness. He was serving others. He was even, times he would just pray for me at the end of our meetings and they were awesome prayers. He was telling people in his network, even his local bottle shop owner, that he was a changed man and that they should consider Jesus for themselves. It was pretty cool. You know, he was learning to obey the commands of Christ, becoming a disciple. And it culminated in this beautiful moment, and we're going to see on the screen, of baptism. You now you see him off in the distance there. <laughs> How nice is Gerald today? Eh? Blue waters. <laughs> you can no doubt imagine that his mother-in-law had been praying for him for many years. We're so glad to see Jim take this step and what it meant for her daughter. 
As a way of finishing this story, I'd like to say that it all got tied up into a nice, neat package. But that's not the reality. You know, Jim found it hard to continue in the growth he experienced, in the different situations that he'd faced in life and the pressure that came upon him. You know, I and some others in our church sought to kind of encourage him and walk with him on that discipleship journey, but often it was one step forward and two steps back. But I'm trusting that the one who has authority over heaven and earth, that he who began a good work in Jim will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, despite what it looks like on the outside. You know, as Jesus encouraged his disciples, his presence is always with us as we live into his co-mission of making disciples. You know, his presence was with us when he introduced me to Jim. His presence was already in Jim's life to the influence of his praying mother-in-law. So he was ready to receive Jesus when I shared more of the good news with him. Jesus' presence was with Jim as he watched the chosen and was moved deeply. His presence was with him when he surrendered in baptism to live in the family of the Father, Son and Spirit. You know, in our search for the people of peace, we go, we baptise, we teach people under the authority of Jesus and the presence of Jesus. We don't do this alone and we never should. As we move into a time of communion, I love if you've got it in your hand, you've got the little juice and wafer cups just to remove the tabs so you have that ready to eat and drink together. If you didn't pick up one from the door, just raise your hand and we have ushers to bring one to you. I want us to thoughtfully consider how we are walking this week into the commission that Jesus has given us. If we are followers of Jesus, uh, just as much disciples as Jesus as those who are sat there on that day listening to his words. That long line of spiritual generations from those first 11 disciples that were there who were faithful to Jesus' commission to find people of peace and, and make more disciples. Now, I've been thinking, like, how do I sum this up in a picture? And maybe this picture doesn't fully do it justice, but we're going to put the next one up. Thanks, Michael. Now, consider the figure at the back in this picture as a person full of authority and strength in control, ready for anything. We know from the passage that we've been looking at today that Jesus has authority over all the universe. He's that figure in the back. Now consider yourself as that little fella in the front, emboldened not by his own stature and strength. He's only small and weak and he's wearing a funny suit. Um, but he is confident of who he is 
because who is with him always? A loved disciple of Jesus invited into a co-mission with the highest authority in the universe. Bring that feeling from that picture, that understanding of who Jesus is and who you are. Maybe you want to just close your eyes in this moment and think about your workplace. As you walk into that workplace, do you go with the one who has all authority? Maybe there's a tough boss or new clients to meet. Maybe you're going to walk into your house where your family is and you know the task of raising your children is a challenge. But do you walk into that space with the one who has all authority? Maybe as you meet with your friendship group when you're discussing politics, religion and sport, Walking into that place, how do you feel walking in there knowing that you're on a co-mission with the one who has great authority? How do those conversations and interactions look different? Because you have that kind of confidence. We read before that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death under the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Let's remember that sacrifice and we thank you, God, that you've made it so tangible for us. You've given us the bread and the juice Matthew, one of the disciples, records it this way. While we're eating, Jesus took the bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let's eat. given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins when you're ready drink from the cup
Let us pray together. Jesus, you have authority over heaven and earth. Over what we can see, over what we cannot see. Lord, we continue to invite you to have authority over our lives, over my life, over each one of our lives. Our life is not our own. Lord, may you have authority, take authority in our lives over the schemes of the enemy. Our spiritual enemy wants to take us down. And in the story of Jim, there was so much pressure against him. And Lord, we cannot fight the enemy by ourselves. We need to step into your authority. But maybe you're prompting us today more about those people of peace, being equipped to meet them, to be ready. Maybe you're encouraging us to take that step of baptism into your family. But Lord, ultimately, just in this act of eating the bread, the body broken for us, drinking from the cup, your blood shed for us. We know that we go in your authority, not by ourselves, but you lead us into this great commission to see all the nations of this earth reached for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.